Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. This week, we're moving into part two of a series we started last week uh, called Stand. And specifically, we've been going through the story of Daniel, uh, or the book of Daniel, and the stories of Daniel and some of his friends, uh, and talking about how, as followers of Christ, how do we live a life where we stand on our faith? You know, it's not saying that we are Christians and uh, it's, it's kind of easy in America today, right? That's something that we use as an identifier. But I believe when it comes to being a Christian, it's a lot more about actions than it is about words. Amen? And so the way we live and how we treat other people and what we do in life, I think, speaks loads beyond what the words that come out of our mouth are. And so we've been trying to talk about, okay, as a family, as individuals, uh, as, as sons of the most high, sons and daughters of the most high God, um, that uh, how do we continue to stand on our faith in this? Um, real quick, by the way, Erica told me that today is International Women's Day. Is that what it is? International, so uh, if you're a fan of women, let's give them a hand. I love women. This is, I love one woman. What? Oh, by the way, if you're a middle school, is there any middle schoolers here? If you're a middle schooler, I'm going to dismiss you to go to our middle school group um, with Elijah. He's the guy in the lobby with green hair. All the parents all of a sudden just went like, what? This is, he's great. He really is a good kid. So, all right. So moving along, we're in the stand part two. Last week, we talked about uh, how do we stand firm. When bad things happen, when life comes at us, like how do we, how do we decide to continue to, to stand on our faith even though we don't know the outcome? And we use the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel, he stood on his faith. He had already decided I'm going to follow God no matter what. God has been faithful to me, and so I'm going to be firm in my faith and trust in him. He didn't know that the, that the lions weren't going to eat him, but, but he went, he stood on his faith, he continued to pray even when it was against the law, and uh, when the, he was thrown into the lion's den, uh, God sent an angel uh, to shut the lion's mouths. And so uh, we, we talked about one of the main reasons how we decide to stand firm is we've got to decide ahead of time. We've got to understand that God has been faithful and we're going to continue to be faithful. It's not something that happens just right away. And so today we're going to move from stand firm to stand up. Um, don't stand up right now. We're not standing up, but standing up in our faith. And so I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump right in. You guys are okay with that? Sweet. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you've given me as a son and for how you've blessed us as your children. Uh, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would use me uh, to teach us how we should walk and how we should do life and how we should treat the people around us and those that we love. And I pray that through those actions, as we learn how to stand up in our faith, I pray, God, that, that you would use us as tools to reach the world you've played in us in. Thank you for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. By show of hands, uh, how many of you here today um, are okay, you're comfortable with confrontation? Anybody here comfortable? I'll tell you what, we'll go the other way. How many of you guys are uncomfortable with confrontation? You are uncomfortational. I'm surprised how many hands just went up because typically you ask that question and people are like, I'm not going to raise my hand. That sounds like a confrontation. I don't know what I'm getting into. 
Non-confrontational. Raise your hands again. My gosh, we've got a peaceful church. That is great. Um, how many of you guys are confrontational? Erica's trying to tell me I should put both hands up, right? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's not so much antagonistic, that's not what I'm asking, but there's some of us that today we don't really feel uncomfortable with confrontation. It's, it's okay, it's just a part of life. But the rest of us, the majority here today are like, you see confrontation or you feel confrontation and like you shut down, right? How many of you guys shut down? You're like, I don't want a piece of that, I want to walk away, right? I don't, I don't want to be a part of confrontation. In America, this, this is probably the norm. There's probably a 50-50 split in that from confrontational to unconfrontational unless there's a screen and keyboard in front of that person, and then that completely changes, right? Because when you've got, uh, when you've got a screen and keyboard in front of you, it's a lot easier to be a little more confrontational, right? How many of you guys are like, I, I, I get a little bit of courage when, uh, when it's behind a screen and keyboard, right? I think uh, Brad Paisley, he wrote a song about it, right? I'm a whole lot cooler online, right? I'll sing it for you some other time. Um, but for, for many of us, this idea of being confrontational uh, shuts us down. And for others of us, um, it, it can almost be a thing where it can lend itself to antagonistic. It can lend itself to uh, kind of a judging mentality. But as followers of Christ, where are we supposed to kind of find the happy medium? Where is confrontation supposed to be uh, in our lives? And specifically, I think um, when it comes to uh, the relationships we have with other people, I believe that there's a healthy, uh, healthy opportunity for confrontation in our life. Specifically, like tension. I believe that there's many things that when it comes uh, to life, the tension that we have in life helps people grow. Right, you think about, uh, I've got a good, a good friend, he lives up in Jacksonville, um, and his, uh, his name's Doug, and he uh, works out a lot, all the time. I bust his chops this past week, because I'm like, dude, you got like two really cute kids, and I see like ten workout picks to one, to one kid pick, but he is like ripped now. Like that guy went from being like a husky guy like myself, to like, now he's got a butt like an army mule, right, and he is just, just jacked, right? But the, reason, the way he got to that point, he has bettered himself because of tension, right? He caused some tension to happen in his body. Over time, there was some pain, there was some tension, there was some confrontation that had to happen. And because of it, today he's a better person. And so I think that many times for us as Christians, there's opportunity with one another for confrontation that, that will have some tension that will actually cause us to grow, right? For many of us... Um, We've got some friends or family members that maybe, maybe you've got a friend or family member, someone that you love, uh, that um, is having a, a hard time financially, right? They just seem, they can't get out of the weeds. It just seems like your know, bank account's in the red. Um, but then we go in and we see them buying, you know, brand new stuff that they don't need to buy, right? They're eating out at the garlic or something like that, right? There's an opportunity maybe for us to go in and say, hey, let me, let me, can I help you for a little bit? Can I, can I just, this might be confrontational. This might be a little tense, but, but let me help you for a second. Uh, for some of us, that confrontation can happen with our husbands and our wives and our spouses, or our boyfriends and our girlfriends, right? There can be, there can be stress that's happening, and there might be a time where you got to come together, and there has to be some confrontation. There has to be some tension so that you can build through it. The I think the natural way for us to deal with it, the way that, that 
we've kind of become comfortable with is that comfort comes first and confrontation shouldn't be a part of it. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's how the Bible should be. Or I don't think that's what the Bible tells us we should be. You know, unfortunately, over decades in the church, we've kind of actually gone the other way. We, we have kind of this, stick, uh, this, uh, this label now as an organization that is judgy, right? An organization that goes out and, and points out the wrong in people, right, and says these people are not good enough, these people are messed up, these people are, are going to hell, right? How many of you guys have seen churches on, and I'm not here, please let me stop, preface this real quick. I'm not here to bash any other church, Okay, I believe in the Bible, and I'm going to live my life according to the Bible. Unfortunately, I believe that there's some churches that they, they do what they want to do. They don't do what the Bible says and the way the Bible says it, and I think that's wrong. So many times I've seen uh, people on street corners with signs that say, a certain type of person is going to hell, right? Turn or burn. You guys ever, anybody ever seen that before? Unfortunately, because of that, the church in America has got this label that we are judgmental, that we hate people, that people are going to experience pain for eternity. And, and I don't think that's, I know that's not, not the right way. But to counteract it, I don't think that we can just sit back and not do anything. I think there is a healthy place for confrontation, standing up for what is right and being a follower of Christ at the same time. And so today, rather than talk about, you know, the boycotts that the church has done in the past and the, the things that we have stood up for or protested against, uh, I want to look at, at the Bible. I want to look specifically at the story of Daniel uh, and see an opportunity of how we should approach confrontation and standing up for what is right in a very biblical way. So in the, in the book of Daniel, uh, we're going to be into chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible or the Bible app, you can pull it up and, uh, and take a look at it. And, um, and we'll, be list, we'll be reading through the story of Daniel here. Uh, but we see that Daniel uh, is one of the guys that is a leader in this kingdom. He's one of the, the, the wise men and uh, over a, or under a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar uh, and him at this time are a little bit, uh, they're like in their probably, uh, I think Daniel at this point is in his 50s. Uh, Daniel's a wise guy. He's a smart guy, but he's been under this leadership for, for a little bit of time now. He's no, no longer a young man. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar comes to his, his wise men. He comes to his, his magicians. He comes to the people that are his interpreters. He says, okay, I've had this dream, and it won't let me sleep at night. And it's very specific. It says that he would tell them this dream and that he wanted them to interpret or tell them. And some translations said that they, they could not understand what the meaning was. But if you go back and read the dream, it's like it's pretty easy to understand the meaning. Uh, many people believe that they just would not tell him what the meaning was. Because in those days, like, you ever heard the uh, term, don't kill the messenger? They hadn't heard of that term yet. They were killing messengers, right? So if you delivered bad news to the king... That was a bad day for you. That could have been your last day, right? So many of these guys, I believe, were just playing dumb. They were like, they heard uh, the dream, and rather than interpret, they said, oh, we don't know. You might need to ask somebody else. They, they, didn't, want ex- they didn't want the confrontation, right? There were some, some things that could have happened on the back end that they just didn't want to deal with. And so uh, the dream went something similar to this. This is the Brian Nichols, the Brian Nichols version. Uh, it went that... Uh, that 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream that there was this giant tree, and this giant tree produced these amazing limbs that produced shade for everyone, shade, you know, a protection and shade for all the animals. It provided fruit for them to eat, and everyone was really in love with this tree. This tree was good. And after seven years, it said that the tree was cut down, and that the only thing that was left was the stump and the roots. And the way that it was cut down was because a voice of heaven said, let this tree be cut down so that people know there's a God in heaven that has all authority. Now, for me and you, as you read this, as you listen to this, you think, okay, it's it, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, this should be pretty easy to understand, like, what the tree, who the tree is in this situation, what's about ready to happen, right? But all the interpreters say, no, we don't know anything about it. And they all point the finger at Daniel and say, why don't you bring Daniel in? And maybe Daniel can interpret the dream. And so in Daniel chapter 4, verse 22, Daniel lets him, asks him to, to repeat the dream to him. And he listens to it. And although he doesn't want to interpret it, he uses the opportunity and he says this. He says, Daniel chapter 4, uh, four verse 22, it says, That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven, and your rule is to the ends of the earth. That's, those are all good news, right? That's, that's all great things. That's what a king wants to hear, right? I'm a great king. Everyone loves me. I've got a large land. But it didn't stop there. Daniel chapter 25, or verse 4, chapter 25 says this. Daniel continues. It says, in the dream, it says, you will be driven from human society. And you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time, that's, this is uh, seven years, of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. Now, I can't help but think, as Daniel is saying this, like, the tension and the discomfort just continues to swell. Anyone here had to deliver some bad news to somebody? Or like if you're, if you're a, a manager of a business, maybe you've had to like fire someone before. Like that's not fun, right? If you, get fun, if you have fun about that, like we need to pray for you because that's, that's a tough life. Daniel goes and he tells him this. He says, he said, hey, this is going to be tough, but I think the Holy Spirit's given me this, this opportunity. I got to tell you what this means. He says, this is not good for you. At the end of that, I believe that he says something along the lines, I wish this was for your enemies, but this is for you. But he doesn't stop at the end of the dream. Normally you would stop at this and you would, you would say, okay, this was the discomfort, this was the bad news, now I'm going to walk away and we'll do something else. But Daniel doesn't. Daniel then uses this opportunity to stand up for what is right. And he says this, in chapter 4, verse 27, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Unfortunately, we understand in the story that um, Nebuchadnezzar did not listen to Daniel. And he continued to do what God didn't want him to do. And it life happened to him exactly the way the dream uh, way the, the dream had foretold. He did not listen. 
I think for us today, um, as we listen, as we look at this story, there's, there's an outline, there's a very clear understanding of how we should be confrontational as Christians. There's some pieces that we can pull away from it. Now, now I want to be careful because as I, as I communicate this message, many people here today who are confrontational, you might like look at this as like, it's open season. I can tell anyone exactly what I feel all the time, and the Holy Spirit's telling me to do it. That is not the case, okay? Some of you guys here today, you're just a little too open with your opinion, right? has nothing to do with truth or the Bible or relationship with Jesus. It's just your opinion, right? Some of you guys uh, in person on Facebook or Facebook, whatever, like you talk about politics, and it is like open season. You are unfriending people like it's taking Tic Tacs, right? It's like this person watches this. Nope, I'm done with you. We've had people leave our church before because they say too many people of one specific type of side go to this church. Those people also go to Walmart, and they buy toilet paper. You going to stop doing those things too? Your, your opinion is not the part that you have open season from. Many people, you've got feelings about vaccinating or non-vaccinating. Guess what? Those are opinions. Keep it to yourself. It's all right. No worries. Whatever you, whatever you want to do in that, that's your prerogative. Some people are vegan. Some people are carnivores. You don't have to tell everybody what it is. You don't have to broadcast it. I heard someone say it. I'm going to clean it up a little bit. Opinions are armpits. You guys already know where I'm going with this, right? Like, it's, it's another word. I ain't saying that in church. I'm good. Opinions are like Everybody's got them. But not everybody wants to smell each other's armpit, right? Sometimes you got to keep it to yourself. And that's okay. That's a little, that's not out of the Bible. That's just a little, that's a public service announcement, okay? A little public, keep your armpits to yourself. If you're here today and um, you feel that feeling of you want to have a confrontation or, or you want to, to specifically speak and you want to stand up for what is right, and as a Christian, how do you do that? And, and he, I would tell you this if you feel that feeling, I want you to stop. And I want you to ask yourself just a couple of questions. And I think that if you can answer these questions correctly, then yes, it is an opportunity from the Holy Spirit to go in and to speak, speak life and to stand up and to help people become better. But if you can't answer these questions the right way, I, I think it's a sign to just keep it to yourself. Okay? So here's, here's the three questions that I believe that you should be asking yourself before you stand up for what is right and before you have a confrontation with somebody else. So that's that righteous indignation, right, before you get fired up. The first thing that you should be asking yourself is, why should I stand up for what is right in this situation? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, why? The only reason that I can tell you why you should is if it is a place out of love that you're approaching it. If you love that person, if you have a relationship with that person, if you want what is right for that person, then I think it's an opportunity from the Holy Spirit to have some good tension, some good confrontation. If you see someone that's having a tough time, if, if, I, if I see a buddy uh, that uh, I know is, is, is struggling with something specifically, whether it's with his, his, his wife or maybe it's with a uh, thing he's looking at on the Internet or maybe it's, you know, I'm seeing him and it seems like every Friday night the guy is just slammed, you know. If, if, there's, if there's things that I'm seeing and if I have a relationship and I love him, 
I probably also have a responsibility to, to go and ask him about it from a place of love. But that's, that's, that's the why. The why only, the only reason that you should, be, you should do it is if you ask yourself why, and the answer is because I love them. And if you want to know what love is, Corinthians does a great job of describing it. It says this. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. That's how the Bible describes love. If you can feel those things, and if you can have those actions towards the person that you feel like you should have a confrontation with, if you should stand up for what's right, if you should try to help them, if you can do it from a position of love, I think it's an opportunity. If it's any other reason, I think you say, no go. Stop. If you don't, if you don't know the person, that, that's my biggest thing with people picketing on the side of, of the streets. Is If you're out there with a sign talking to people like that, you have no relationship with those people whatsoever. Why would you be asking, why would you be speaking into that? I'll use my own self as an example. In my life, I've had um, some people that have come to me and said, uh, Brian, you need to know I think, about, I think this about you. I think you're someone that is unteachable. I think you're someone that is arrogant. I think you're someone that cannot, should not be in the position you're in. Right? I, I've, I've heard these things before. Do you know what I take away from that? Absolutely nothing. Because when it comes from that person, I know this person doesn't love me. This person is not, does not have my back. This person has, has zero regard for me. They're frustrated with me, clearly I can see. But they're speaking out of what they, what, what they feel, not, about, not through a relationship or connection. Now, I've got some friends in the room, right? Chris Ross, are you here? Chris Ross is somewhere. Chris Ross is a good friend of mine. Chris Ross comes to me and says, hey, buddy, I'm seeing this in your life, and I'm, I'm just because I love you. We're, we're good friends. Man, I'm going to be here no matter what, but I want to let you know I'm, I'm concerned about this, and if, if there's something I can do to help you through it, like, like that's what I want to do. I, don't, I, I want to see you win over this. I don't want to see this be something that pulls you down. I, I want to help you. That is approaching something. That's standing up for what is right from a position of love. And so if you have someone in your life that you love that is in need of, of, of correction or bringing back onto the path of following Christ, if you love them, it's an opportunity to help them. But if you don't love the person, if you don't have a relationship with the person, I, I, I love you, and so I'm going to say this in love. Shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that's, that's not your place. Okay? So, why should I stand up for what is right? If you can do it out of love, then I think you should do it. That's the why. Love is the why. How? Second question is, how should you stand up? And I believe that the Apostle Paul, he does a great job of answering this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. By the way, real quick, if you got offended because I said shut up, I'm sorry. I love you. It was, that was probably a little rude. Please forgive me. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone uh, or if another believer is overcome by sin, 
You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. There was two key words in that that Paul says about how you should help someone in this situation, how you should stand up for what is right, for how you should have a healthy confrontation. And those two words are gently, everyone say gently, and humbly. Look at your neighbor say gently and humbly. The Apostle Paul said these are the ways that you should be helping out your friends, helping out those that you love when they're going through something like this. When you've got to stand up for what is right, you should do it gently and humbly. It's really hard to do something gently and humbly when you blast it on Facebook. Come on now. Can we be real for a second? That's not a place to be gentle or humble. It's also not something that's done very well over text message. I think that when it comes to the people that we are trying to help, many times if we are if we call ourselves a Christian, we should approach it the way Christ would approach it. And and the times that I read of Jesus standing in and and ask and and, and helping people in these situations, it was done very gently and it was done humbly. Uh, one case in particular, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. Um, ben, don't come up yet. I know you want to, but just hold up for a second. John chapter 8 tells a story about Jesus in which um, these Pharisees and these religious men found a woman that was committing adultery. They found them, like, in the act. And so she was definitely guilty of sin. And according to the law at the time, it said that she should be stoned and, and put to death. And they bring her before Jesus as trying to trying to trip Jesus up, they ask him, what should we do with this woman? And after pushing and pushing and pushing, they kept demanding answers. And in chapter 8, verse 7 of the book of John, it says this, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. I, I believe that there's a great unifier in the fact that the word says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means I have fall, I've sinned and fallen short. It means you have fallen, sit, fallen short and have sinned. The person that you want to help out has fallen short and has sinned. And although you might have a Holy Spirit opportunity to help them, although you might need to stand up for what is right, I believe that understanding that you have been in the same place will put you in the position to help out humbly and gently when it comes to what they're dealing with. I think it's a, it's a big part of them, them being successful at getting through what they're having to go through. The last thing is this, number three, in the band, you guys can go ahead and start coming up if you want to. The last question you need to ask yourself is this, is, is this judgmental? Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, um, says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough 
to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. I think, I think there's this um, position of insecurity that sometimes we take where if we're dealing with something, if we're struggling with something in our own life, it's a lot easier to point a finger at someone else and what they're struggling with and draw attention to that so that attention is no longer on you. And I, I think that's, I think that's uh, unfair to the person you're pointing at, and I believe you're doing an un- injustice to yourself. Because honestly, if you're a follower of Christ, you, you need to know that, that the Holy Spirit wants to create this tension in you when there's sin that's separating you from him. He, he wants to have a healthy confrontation. Uh, uh, this, this, he wants you to stand up for what is right in your own life. Many of you guys are feeling it right now, and it's uncomfortable. And you think, like, the pastor knows what I'm talking, he knows what I'm dealing with, he knows what I've been looking at, he knows what I'm struggling with. I don't, okay, just so we can be clear for a second. Well, the Holy Spirit definitely does. And, and he wants to help you bridge the gap and come back onto the right path. To, to, to continue to connect with Christ and, and, and have that relationship with him. And as we choose him, as we choose freedom from sin and shame, as we choose that, that he is the Christ, he is the Savior, he's paid the price, we're able to experience freedom. We're able to dispel the confrontation and the tension in a healthy, good way. And I think that when it comes to trying to stand up for what is right in other people's lives, first we have to look inward and we have to fix what is wrong in our own life before we should ever have messed with that at all. And so today, if you're here and you feel this charge to stand up for your faith, to challenge people with what they're, what they're weak in or what they're struggling with, there, it could be a Holy Spirit opportunity in which he wants to use you. And just like, you know, just like Daniel did, I would challenge you to not push away from it. To do what Daniel did and stand up to the king and say, King, please listen to me. He did it out of love. He did it because he cared. He cared for the king. If you can do it from a position of love, if you can do it gently and humbly, and if you can do it with a clean heart, then I believe that's a Holy Spirit opportunity, and you should not push away from it. I would tell you, those Holy Spirit opportunities from other people to my life, I welcome. I've got a few great men in my life that I know that when they come to me, if they, if they think that anything is wrong or if they want to help me in anything, I know it comes from love. They do it gently and humbly. They do it from places not judgmental. They want the best that is for me. And I know there's people that are in your, in your life that they need someone like that. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today. The flip side of the coin is maybe today as we're talking about this, as we're talking about this confrontation, maybe at some point the Holy Spirit used me to create some tension in you. And I want to tell you that today you have an opportunity to be released 
from the thing that is holding you back, from whatever that sin is. Today, you did not, you know, it's time change Sunday. You should be sleeping in. This is the day in church where, like, nobody shows up. But somehow, somewhere, something prompted you to be here today, to hear this message. And I don't think it was by accident. I think it was on purpose. So maybe today is the opportunity for you to, as you feel that tension, which, which is good and can be good, maybe today is the day that you take the step and say, you know what? I'm, I want to get back on the right path. I want to I get rid of this thing in my life. I want to get shed of this. And I want to move on and live the life that God has called me to. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the, the husband, the father, the mother, and the wife that he wants me to be. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're feeling that tension, if you feel like there's something that's separating you, or maybe you're here today and you have not yet started a relationship with Jesus, but you feel like, man, there's something here. I need to take the step. I've got things in my life that I don't like, and I want to make a change. If you're here today and you want to make that shift, whether it's for the first time or whether it's a renewed heart, you want God, to, Jesus, to come in and cleanse you and take away that thing that's been holding you back. No one's looking around. This is between you and him. But if you want that step to happen today, I want you to raise a hand up and put it right back down. And as you're raising it up, you're saying, Jesus, you know exactly what I'm dealing with. You know what I'm struggling with. I pray that you would come in. I'm going to give you a few more minutes because I think some of you right now, I know that you're feeling that tension in your heart. Jesus knows what it is. You know what it is. It's a symbol of surrender. If today you want to dispel that tension, you want to reconnect with Christ, you want to, 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 to refine who you are and choose him over sin, I just want you to stand up and put it right back down. Heavenly Father, you know the hands. You've seen the hearts that have surrendered that want to have a connection with you. I pray that today, Lord, as they've taken that action, as they've stepped forward and said, God, this is something that's keeping me from you, I pray that you would step in and do away with it. Jesus, I would pray that you would start to do a work, that you would start to refine them, that you would reconnect with them, and that as they even leave here this morning, God, that they would not leave here the same way that they came in. God, that you would use this, this opportunity to charge them for what is ahead. And much like Nebuchadnezzar came back and you continue to use him, I pray that you would do the same thing with them. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, for what you've done. I thank you for this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would continually to, to show me in my heart the things that I need to change and need to work on and need to redefine. I pray that Coastline would never become a church that judges but a church that is welcoming and inviting and accepts that we have all sinned and all fallen short, but ultimately Jesus knowing that you are the one that's paid for that and is doing away with it. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.